police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to this week's episode of B-Movie Chat. War, poverty, the environment, equality. These are all less important topics than what we are going to be talking about today, which is, of course, Batman. Batman is one of the oldest running comic books in, in history and arguably the most popular worldwide. The popularity of the Cape Crusader has spanned just about every form of media, from television, movies, video games, and even Legos. The story of Batman is one that is well known to anyone who hasn't been living under a rock since 1939. Young Bruce Wayne witnesses the murder of his parents and chooses to dedicate his life to fighting crime and saving the innocents, all while dressed up as a bat. Having been around for nearly 80 years, the character Batman has gone through several changes, some good, some bad, some a mix of both. So today we will be discussing Batman throughout the ages. Joining for today's discussion is Pat Evans, the creator of the upcoming documentary about the 1960s Batman television series, The Beat of the Bat. Pat, welcome to the show. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's great. It's always fun to come up with a reason to talk about Batman, so I'm, I'm in a pretty good mood about that. Yeah. Like I said, I could talk about it all day long and be perfectly happy. <laughs> so your documentary is about the 1960s uh, Batman series. Would you say that's your uh, favorite era of Batman? Um, I, do, I tend not to play, like, favorites, you know, like... People always like to do the top ten lists and things like that, but, you know, I like all of them for different reasons, you know, and you can be in a different mood one day and prefer to watch a Nolan movie or, you know, maybe you feel more like watching the Adam West show, you know, there's just so many different versions of Batman to choose from, you know. Uh, it was my first Batman, though, so, you know, and uh, you know who a guy named Michael Uslan is by any chance? Ah, uh, that name sounds familiar, but I'm not quite sure who that is. Right. It, uh, well, if it sounds familiar, it's probably because he's on the credits of every Batman film since the Tim Burton one. It was he, he was the main driving force to getting that movie made. It was his dream, you know, to make a dark uh, Batman movie that went back to its roots, you know. And part of that was actually his, his negative response to the Batman TV show, you know, uh, you know, he, he thought it was too, you know, he didn't, that wasn't his preferred version of Batman. So, you know, he wanted to see more of the dark or one. So he went on this like 10 year quest to get that film made and did, he wrote a book called the boy who loved Batman. Um, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's great. And, um, he actually, part of his deal with getting the first Batman made is like now he's been a producer on every single Batman film that's been released since then. So if you see his, him and uh, his producing partner, uh, Benjamin Melnicker, who was like his mentor uh, there, you'll see their names pop up on everything from the animated films to all the um, live action releases. Very cool. It's kind of the, one of the unsung heroes of uh, Batman, I guess. Oh yeah, he's let. Yeah, he's he's he's. Yeah, I mean, a large part of you know what we have today is thanks to Michael. You know, he was a game changer. Really nice guy too. Really, really, really smart and very generous uh, with his time and to the fans and uh, just a really good guy. Um, he actually he's really interesting. He 
he taught the very first college course on um, comic books, and it was a big thing. And if you, uh, I won't. You can look it up in YouTube. I won't ruin the story for you because the way he tells it is absolutely perfect, and it's one of the best stories you'll hear uh, uh, ever. But it's him telling the story of pitching the idea to his college, you know, of teaching this course. Uh, see if you can find that on YouTube. I'll see if I can find a link and, and we can put it there for your listeners because it is absolutely it's one of the greatest stories ever. Sounds awesome. Yeah. But he, oh, the reason I brought him up really was to answer your question. Uh, he always says your favorite Batman is always your first Batman, you know, because that's the one that you made you love the characters. Makes sense. Yeah, I grew up with the um, animated series and the um, the um, uh, Tim Burton uh, films, but um, I, I honestly I don't think I have. I'm like you. I don't think I have a favorite because I don't think Batman's really been done poorly, and that's one of the things that's amazing about him. Like, there's some like individual stories, like Batman wearing a rainbow bat suit, which is kind of weird, and. Bat Most cow, but <laughs> there are definitely some strange things. But as far as like the different like ages of Batman, I don't think there was a bad one. Like, um, I know some people who don't like the um the Silver Age of Batman, the one that um your film's about with the um 1960s series and and things like that. But for what it was, it was really good. Um, I love the um the movie um that take about that with series where um. Batman's got the bomb and he's running around with that. That scene's iconic now. Like you see that right. reference yeah. almost everywhere. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and credit to that goes to the brilliant director of the Batman, the movie, Leslie H. Martinson, who just recently passed away um, last year. In fact, he was near a hundred years old. Like, and actually a few years ago, I wrote him, um, a letter um, and sent him like my DVD cover to sign and, but it wrote him a letter saying, you know, it told him a story about how my mom had taken me on a Saturday to a matinee of Batman, the movie when I was, you know, like five or six years old and how they used to give, um, you know, they used to have those old school raffle style movie tickets that way back when this would have been in the seventies. So, um, before the matinee, they like took the raffle tickets and they raffled off like concessions. So I, I won this big, huge bucket of popcorn. I'd never won anything before in my life. You know, I'm like six years old. I'm getting ready to watch the Batman movie and I had got to win this big thing of popcorn. You know, it was just a really warm memory for me, you know, like, and I just told him that story and he, 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 he you know, uh, signed my DVD cover and wrote back, you know, thank you for asking. And it just, uh, it was, I was really glad I did it because, you know, um, I think you should always take the time to like, uh, thank people who make little differences like that in your life anyway, you know, but it's like, you know, sometimes the worst feeling is like when you realize you should have reached out to somebody or something and thanked them and didn't get the chance, you know, so, um, I always prefer to do it if I, if I have the opportunity. So, uh, and then it, postscript to that, very interesting that Quentin Tarantino's got a revival theater here in LA. 
called the New Beverly, where they only they show like just only like actual prints of films. They don't do digital, and they just did a matinee of Batman the movie a few weeks ago. This is crazy, and, and it was just such a memory rush for me because I go down there, and, and it's it's a retro theater, so they have those same old old school raffle style tickets, you know, when that you get same as 1970. And uh, I, I go into the theater, and what they've got a dude in there dressed like Batman, and he's ra- using those raffle tickets, and they were raffling things off to all the kids in the audience. So it was just like a, a time warp, a complete time warp, you know. And it was mostly like fathers and mothers, like probably my age with their little kids now, and a lot of just adults too. And it was everybody just the vibe in there was just amazing you know everybody was just laughing and you know i was like laughing and crying and it was just so uh awesome to see another see like what i had experienced way back then you know but times 100 now you know (laughs) it was just it was it was really cool i felt like it was a good omen for you know getting the crowdfunding and getting the movie rolling you know definitely definitely a good sign of things yeah, it's kind of amazing that like at this point, I think, well, most people have grown up with Batman, so it's been around for so long, so everybody can kind of relate to it. And what I find interesting is everybody kind of has their own version of how Batman should be normally about how normally based on what they grew up with, but there really is no wrong way to tell Batman. I mean, even the like cartoons, <coughs> like um which were, they had the animated series, which is more serious, and then they had, um, a couple years ago, they had a series that went back to the um, Silver Age of Batman called uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and it was, was still great. good. Like, it was still really oh, yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, that was people who really knew their stuff making that one. Because oh, yeah. like, there's some really, really deep references going on there, too. And they really had a... They nailed a good tone, and the perform- Diedrich Bader was amazing as Batman. All the all the vocal performances on that were just tremendous. The character design, like you said, was you know very like silver silver age Dick Sprangy sort of. It was they yeah they did it really well. And actually, um, the guy who did the music on there uh, is very sixties uh, style. And actually, does he reference the Batman theme in that one? It's the guy who wrote it is a guy called Andy Sturmer, who uh, was the lead. He was the lead singer and drummer in this band called Jellyfish from the '80s, or well, I guess it was more '90s when they they had like a couple minor hits, but they had, they had like cult following. Really great band, very very melodic pop, very Beatles influenced, uh, but um, never got as popular as they probably you know should have, but. Um, Anyway, Andy has uh, kind of become a composer, and he wrote a couple of the Batman themes. He wrote the Brave and the Bold, which is uh, what a, that's a really great theme, and it's really uh, um, very sixty vibe. And then he also wrote previous to that, the previous animated series was called The Batman. Do you recall that one? Um, vaguely. Um, I, I didn't really watch too much of it. I watched. Um mostly the animated series and the new adventures of Batman and things like that back from the nineties. Right. So Andy wrote the theme for, well, there were two themes for it. The first one was written by the edge 
from U2, the guitar player for U2. And it was kind of a little creepy, like just a little spooky guitar piece, which uh, they replaced in the either second or third season with uh, Andy's theme, um, which was much more like upbeat and like kind of driving. You know, I think they were kind of trying to change the tone a little bit of the show um, and use the theme song as a way to kind of do that, transition it a little bit. Um but he actually, there's a little bit of the Neil Hefty Batman theme woven into his theme for the Batman. So uh, I always find it interesting, you know, it just keeps popping back up, you know, the original Batman theme. Definitely. Yeah, I kind of feel like um, Batman, I kind of feel like he needs to go through certain phases, like where there's more serious stuff and then there isn't, like... I know Batman originally started out, it was a pretty dark comic. I knew, um, well, obviously his parents were shot in front of him. The first appearance of Joker, he kills a bunch of people. And then it transitioned to um, the more lighthearted Silver Age. And then um, transitioned after that toward um, being a lot darker. You mentioned um, the um, the one guy who pushed for that with all the movies and things like that. And there was also um, it's, um, the comic book... The Killing Joke, which really kind of defined the Joker's character, who is pretty much uh, Batman's most um, crazed and, um, in a lot of ways, um, most ruthless um, um, villain, just because um, he kind of kills just to be chaotic. He, he thinks it's a joke, so it's... Um it's very um, it's very interesting how it goes from that. But then, like when you get stuff like the Brave and the Bold, or even the Lego Movie, which I saw recently, it's really mm-hmm. nice to see that because it's nice to kind of be able to take a step back and be like, all right, this is still like it is still has something for kids, despite how dark it may get. And I think that's really interesting. I think that um, Batman is just as a character. In general, he's such a complex um, individual. Like people have written psychology books about him; it's insane. But I think yep. that having like so many incarnations like really helps um, make it so there's always something more to kind of get to know about Batman and just in general. Like um, there was well, in, in um, not to spoil it too much, but in the Batman, the Lego Batman movie, there's a scene where. Um, he's talking to Alfred, and he says, um, "Oh, what's wrong? It's like you've, it's like when you went to this stage in you know 2016, 2015. He goes through all the different stages. It's like, yeah, there really is no defining Batman. Like we all know Batman in general, but we don't really. I don't think anybody can lay claim to this is what Batman is, and I don't think it's that way with any other comic character, at least to the same extent. Yeah, I, yeah." You're right. And yeah, the Lego movie guys are another group that really knew what they were doing too, man. It was cram packed with everything, wasn't it? It oh, was yeah. great. So yeah, and well yeah, it's such a durable character, you know, and it can survive so many different interpretations, you know, and that's what's great about it. Like I it, you know, there there are no wrong answers, you know, right? I mean you know, there's there's perf- you said people have their own preferred versions, you know, and certainly I, I guess I do too. But I mean, you can at least like appreciate all the other 
versions of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody's really been outwardly intentionally like disrespectful to the character or try, you know, trying to make a bad Batman. Even Joel Schumacher was like, uh, he had that apology on <laughs> about Batman and Robin, you know, Hey guys, look, I really wasn't trying to make a bad movie. And, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, I mean, he owned up to it. So I, my tip of my hat to Joel, you know? Yeah. I think with that movie in particular, he was trying to combine the funny Batman with the more serious Batman. And up to that point, all the movies had been serious. So I think um, people growing up in the 90s, like, especially they were just like, what is this? What's this weird, goofy Batman? Not knowing about the original, well, uh, like the Silver Age Batman. But I don't think even for that he did a great job. But watching the film, like, it's not a good movie but I can at least say I think I know what he was trying to do. So I can at least say, you know, good try, I guess. Yeah, well, you, you know, I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, without Batman and Robin, you don't get Batman Begins. You know what I'm saying? That's so it's like, it's all, a, it, you know, and a lot of it was merchandise driven too at that point. Like it had just become a juggernaut franchise and they were, you know, they really wanted to, uh, uh, Batman returns was so dark that like the McDonald's people were really upset. You know, that kids were coming out of the movies crying and then they've got McDonald's all over their French fry containers, you know, or they've got Batman all, and the penguin all over their French fry containers. And, you know, uh, so they tried to lighten it up a little bit by, you know, having Schumacher, you know, he made it brighter and lighter. Um, and then he just kind of kept going off the rails, you know, taking that the, you know, just amping it up so much for Batman and Robin, you know, because Batman Forever, you know, it has its moments. Uh, it, the Two-Face was the really kind of the worst part of that for me because they just could they really did miss the mark with just with the character, you know, like, uh, completely. Um, yeah. so, um, but it has its moments. I think it had, it caught the spirit of Batman really well sometimes in the spirit of Bruce Wayne sometimes really well. And, it, and the original cut was much more interesting than what the end product was too. It like opened on Arkham Asylum, you know, and, uh, Two Face. They discover Two Face's escaped, and he's like scrawled "The Bat Must Die" on the wall, you know. And there's lightning and thunder, and you know it's very dramatic. And um, I guess they, at that point, their reasoning was, you know, too scary for the kitties or whatever. Um, but uh, the original cut of it was much more, uh, much more interesting. And yeah, there was, you know, there was a lot of neon and stuff, and you know, definitely I. Probably my least favorite Batmobile in that one, too, I'd say. Um, not so much design. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with H.R. Uh, Geiger. He um, did concept design for all the a Aliens film, the original Aliens. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Like, brilliant, brilliant. One of the most brilliant artists that ever lived on this planet, ha hands down. Um, uh, they actually approached him about designing a Batmobile for designing the Batmobile for Batman forever. 
And I really, it was a really cool design. Like you could Google it and uh, find pictures of it, but it kind of looked like a spider or an insect or something. It was really, uh, I mean, I would have preferred it to the one they ultimately chose myself because it was so like bizarre. You're, I mean, you know, it, it had a lot of personality, you know. It, see, I don't mind when people do take those, do, do strange things that you've never seen before like that because, you know, they're committed to it, you know, and it's, it's like a, you know, you could go along with it. it. You know, at least you respect the fact that they weren't trying to just copy something, you know, or, you know, at least they're original. You could say that, you know, Definitely. I just looked up the HR Geiger mobile. Yeah. That's weird looking. Like it's got, um, like <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out like it's functionality, but it's, I mean, it's definitely cool. And, um, Kind of a little bit of the element of the tumbler in there with the wheels, uh, you know, on the attachments on the front kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I think the idea it could it's, it could expand and contract somewhat too. There, like raise up or lower. Makes sense. It kind of looks like um, the Christopher Nolan one um, was was probably at least a little bit inspired by that. At least like when it turns into the um, the motorcycle, you can kind of see like the central wheels in this one. That's that's pretty cool. Could be. But um, yeah, it's definitely like interesting how um, just how many incarnations of Batman there are, and well, we were talking about the 1960s version just being kind of silly and lighthearted, but then there are some that are really, really dark. Like um, I mentioned before, um, Alan Moore's Killing Joke, where the Joker um, he he um, shoots Barbara Gordon and cripples her and possibly right. uh, sexually assaulted her. And then, like, um, I, I recently read one called um, Death of the Family, where the Joker gets, goes completely, well, I can't say goes nuts, but he just decides he's going to um, torture Batman. He kidnaps everybody. He makes Batman think that he cut off their faces and stuff like that. He cuts off his own face. Like, this is, this is really something. Like, but it's like, yeah, that's kind of, I guess it depends on who writes it, but you never know what you're going to expect. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's the key right there. Uh, I mean, Scott Snyder, uh, you know, genius, you know. So, yeah. um, and Capullo, <clears throat> the artist on that as well, Greg Capullo, amazing. Okay. But, I mean, the talent's all top notch in, in all the comics now. Like, I see some of the artwork and just like, wow, that you never would have thought when you were younger you'd be, you know, it's uh, it's really great to see the places that different people are willing to take Batman, you know, definitely. And not all of it's dark. Like we said, you know, a lot of people doing little Gotham's a lot of fun, that kind of stuff for teen Titans, you know, I like the kids stuff too. Definitely. I think the perfect balance is probably the, um, Batman, the animated series, because that one had some, definitely had some lighthearted and kind of goofy episodes, but there was somewhere it got kind of dark, especially for a kid's show. And it never went too far because obviously they had, um, especially when they're owned by Fox, it they had a lot of restrictions. But there were definitely times where, you know, like people would get killed, and it's like, wow, that's that was surprising. But um, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, definitely like a good balance between them. Yeah, surprising a lot of gunfire uh, on that show too. And if you go, um, they got away with. Um, 
quite a bit. You're right. You're absolutely right for a, a, a quote kid kid show. Um, especially when you consider like on the Super Friends cartoons, they couldn't show any of the heroes punching any of the villains. <laughs> yeah, they did the same thing with the uh, Spider-Man cartoon, um, where they'd have them throwing them around, throwing around villains, and it just looked like they were dancing, like in the in midair. It was really kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, they or they would have to have, they would have to have find alternate, like have a boulder coming at Superman or something, and he smashes it with his X-ray or with his laser, you know, heat vision. Stuff like that, you know, to have that was where the danger elements came from. They didn't have any like really actual like violence in them. Um, but yeah, they uh, really the animated series, yeah, those guys that another game changer. Um, and they based the animation style and everything and the tone heavily off the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons, which, um, I mean, have you seen any of those by any chance? Um, I've seen those like, um, yeah, I remember those like bit way back when. Those are those are good too. Like I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, uh, made in the forties, and they're they hold up. They're really beautifully done. And if you watch them, you can to- you can a hundred percent just see the influence it had on on uh, Batman the animated series. Um, I mean, all those guys that worked on that, man, Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, uh, just, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tremendous achievement. You can, and, and I think, you, yeah, as far as the best overall version of Batman, yeah, I'd have to say that that one it would be definitely in the top. I mean, it, it, they nailed so many things about it. Um, but didn't make, you know, didn't dumb it down really, you know, Definitely. but, but they were able to do some of the more, uh, fantastical elements. And of course the voice cast. Yeah. Kevin just- Conroy was, is probably my favorite portrayal of Batman just because his, his voice acting for Batman was just exactly what I pictured it as like as a kid. I mean, I also grew up with that one, but I feel like even before that, that's what I thought Batman would sound like. Right, yeah, and uh, Mark Hamill, of course, and uh, Lauren Lester as Robin. He had so many amazing uh, just guest villains, too, you know. Uh, He even had um, Adam West in an episode. He played played a former um, um, actor who played a superhero. That was a nice um, shout-out to him and all that. Yeah, that was uh, that's a tremendous episode, man. And that's the I mean, it that cartoon actually like had emotions in it, you know, <laughs> like an emotional like you'd have an emotional response to an animated, you know, that's 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 an achievement, you know, to be able to do that, to be able. And their decision to um draw the backgrounds on um black paper, you know, rather than on white was a huge like stylistic thing too um if you it really gives it the whole distinctive uh look now you mentioned you the new batman adventures too um what do you think of the character redesigns and stuff on that versus um 
versus like okay. the original okay. run. Oh, um, when I when you say the new the new um, adve- um, adventures, do you mean the um, one from nineteen ninety seven to nineteen ninety nine? Just called the new adventures of Batman, or right, the ones yeah. where they it, it was the same uh, universe, but they did just uh, they tweaked the character designs to match it up more with the Superman series, so that they could like cross that whole universe together. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't like some of the redesigns, like um, with the Joker. They gave him like complete. His eyes are completely black. They just, like um his um like iris, not iris. Like like the um it, the white parts of his eyes are completely black, and I just thought it was weird looking. And I mean, I didn't I didn't mind it, but it was such a weird like choice to make. And I mean, overall, I liked it. I thought the animation was cleaned up a bit. But yeah. there were definitely choices with the redesigns I didn't like. Um, I didn't really like um, how they redid Killer Croc because um, after that point it became less of a goofy like numbskull into this like kind of hardcore like more killer type thing, and which I didn't mind. But it's like you kind of get used to one, and it, it there was definitely like certain certain choices I didn't like with the redesigns. Um, but overall, I thought the show was really well written. It kind of kept that the whole uh, spirit of it and i think at that point it started getting a lot darker like um they showed more people getting killed they showed um a lot more um just kind of emotional like scenes and things like that um like i think that that was the, the point where um nightwing was introduced and they kind of showed the conflict between um batman and robin which i thought they did fantastically so um I had I definitely had problems with the redesigns, but overall, like they definitely kept the um, the spirit of it, and I think that was very well done. Yeah, I I the redesign I enjoyed the most was definitely the Scarecrow. Oh yeah, that was much better because he's so goofy in the original, and then you look at him yeah. later, and it's like wow, he's cool. Like yeah, he was much more just kind of cartoony. Um, in the in the uh, original run, but then they redesigned him to really look scary, and they got Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator to, to do the voice, which was like always good. Yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with Jeffrey Combs. So I want to mention too the the, the backgrounds being painted on uh, being done on black for the original run of the series was um, Eric Radomski, and I don't think his name gets mentioned like enough in connection with um the batman the animated series but it was like his design work that really laid the groundwork for uh, for a bulk of it so uh, good for you eric definitely what a brilliant idea to like just bring out like the um dark style of the of um gotham city like that's that's absolute brilliance yeah yeah and again you can Really, uh, Michael Luzlon is a big uh, factor in uh, cre- credit for that because he, um, you know, again, if not for him, we wouldn't get the Tim Burton movie, you know, and then you wouldn't got the animated series, you know, and then so so on and so forth, you know, Definitely. or at least not in the form we know now. Oh yeah, what's funny about like uh, Batman that I think kind of beats every other superhero I can think of is he adapts so well to every time period, not just like his design and like the way that his character will change, but just like how he is and like what he does. He, um, 
he just kind of fits in because he's very complex. Like Superman kind of has has had a lot of trouble adapting to modern audiences because he's very he's he's well he's overpowered and he's um kind of he's a goody two shoes for the most part. Whereas Batman, he's got like a whole bunch of psychological disorders. His villains do as well. Like they're all like um they're all messed up in the head. That's why they all go to Arkham instead of a regular prison. And I think that no matter what time period you're in, there's still that, like, um, there's still certain themes that exist, like the um, wanting to make the world better, but also, like, the loneliness that he feels, the um, the darkness, and just the... Um, there's always a sense of, like, not really knowing exactly what to do, but, like, just going out and, like, being, I'm going to do what I think is right, and regardless of the time period, like, um, one of the, my favorite comics was, uh, Frank Miller's, um, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Returns, because at that point, Batman's, um, considered a villain, but he's, he's such a, he's such a strong, like, character that he says, this is what I know as being right, and he goes about it, even though he's being condemned, like, by most of society, and I think that just having such a, such a, such a strong character, and, like, such a realistic character is very interesting. He's kind of like a, um, he's not an archetypal hero because he's got more depth to him, but he's kind of that, that hero that you'd like want to be. That's more, um, that has all the complexities of a normal person, but still he does what's right in the end and regardless of it. And he, there's a very lot, a lot of the, um, he's kind of like the lone ranger in a way, except much, uh, darker. I'd like to think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, elements of uh zorro in there too um certainly like the shadow and things like that um but yeah he has and i think that's you you touched on it there what uh his moral code is kind of what like a lot of people respond to in the character like now you know i mean he didn't, it wasn't, he wasn't immediately formed that way, you know, a lot of the elements that we think of today about Batman, you know, developed, you know, the, the, this origin story is always the same, um, which is like the most heartbreaking thing ever, right? You know, like who couldn't, you know, understand somebody's drive to want to uh, make, punish people for, for seeing that, you know, Um and then, you know, he has, he, he takes that drive and does it. I mean, he's a real guy, but he's a hero, you know, like, so that's why, why, like, everybody can't be from Krypton, you know, but maybe if you were a billionaire, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, it's not happening, but it's the maybe of it. You know, it's like, I, you could, it's possible, you know what I mean? And that kind of gives you something to like strive to, like you know. It gives you, it gives you a sense of hope, built into the character, maybe. Yeah, definitely, I could see that. I think like one of the things with Batman is he faces defeat a lot. Like he normally gets away and he'll defeat the enemy, but there are times where he'll like he'll really be torn over what happened. Like maybe somebody he was trying he was fighting died accidentally or. I I know uh, the second Robin, Jason Todd, was killed by the Joker, and uh, he had a big falling out with uh, Dick Grayson, the first one, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on that's really, um, 
you see that he's that he takes it he takes it very personally, but like he won't show it on the surface. But and that's one thing I think things is, is most complicated about him is he's not he doesn't have all the answers. He's not a perfect guy like Superman. He's um, he doesn't have any superhero superpowers like any of the others. So whenever something happens, this is a real person like facing that, and you see that in like almost. Well, I think you see that in every incarnation of him, but especially like. Um, Especially like the darker ones, like he. This is a guy really being affected by what's going on, and you really see the see him as being limited, but basically being at the epitome of what we could be as realistic human beings. I think. Yeah, and I think that's where um, the Nolan films were interesting because they actually showed like the events that led him and the thought processes that led him to to some of the iconic Batman things we know, you know, like, uh, uh, how he, who he trained with, you know, how he learned to do all these things, you know, where he got his equipment from and so forth. Um, which that was something we'd never seen before. So that was cool. You know, um, certainly he, they definitely, when they picked their source material from the comics and developing their, their universe, they really picked from some, some good sources, you know what I mean? Definitely. Put together a nice little, uh, I thought they did a really great job. I think overall live action wise, that one probably got the most things right about Batman, you know? Oh, definitely. I mean, kind of the, you know, every, like we were saying, everybody has their own idea of what Batman is, you know, but, I think overall in the overwhelming number of fans sort of have a generally the same idea of the character of Batman. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, definitely. He's got like like certain elements. Our collective collective fan mind has built this version of Batman, you know, but I think one of the things about Batman that's so memorable is the fact that he's got so many villains that are so interesting. Like I can't think of another superhero that has so many um, that has so many villains that you remember better than almost than half the superheroes around there. Like I mean, you look at Superman. You know, he's got you know Lex Luthor and I don't know Doomsday, and you got like you know other characters have their villains but yeah batman he's got the joker he's got the riddler he's got two-face he's got poison ivy he's got the penguin like these are all people these are all characters that you remember forever and it's interesting when you see them because they're all they're all mentally ill in their own way they're all kind of um reflections of batman in a way like um the joker kind of reflects his inner insanity um penguin kind of reflects like his um being you know, he's a rich guy, kind of like um, Bruce Wayne, and like how that could go wrong. And they're all kind of different sides of him, and um, it's 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 incredible how like so many villains in it all kind of have their own stories, and they're all so interesting. And I think that's one of the things about the story in general is it's a story about not just Batman. Batman's the center of it, but it's sort of about all these different characters in Gotham City. Like whenever I think of the Dark Knight. I um I always tell people it's not a movie so much about Batman. It's a story about Gotham City. It's about different aspects of the city, the politics, and the um, and 
um, Batman's role in it and just how everything comes together and this guy who's trying to take it apart and this guy who's trying to keep it together. And it's just such a it's such an amazing world that has been created and just like has evolved over time and I, I really can't think of many other comics, especially, well, there, I don't think there's any other comic that's run as long as Batman, but any that's really as in-depth. Like, um, I love a bunch of, um, there are a bunch of comic series I love. Like, I love um, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. I love um, basically yeah. anything by Alan Moore. But um, mm. as far as one that just has gone on for so long, Batman is, like, t- at least in my opinion, unrivaled. Yeah, yeah, it has a definitely a rich history, and uh, like you said, the best rogues gallery uh, ever. You know, for I mean, I think and I think even you know Marvel fans will concede that you know for the most part, you know, or pretty Superman or anybody else would be like, yeah, well, I mean, because a you've got the Joker, right? So they're already you're like he's the, I, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who wouldn't probably consider him the just the greatest comic book villain ever you know Pretty i mean much. i mean you know scary psychotic clown you know and what's interesting too it adds to the psychological component and layers of batman and all the stuff you're describing you know they they're the villains are almost all could be like little fractured parts of batman's own mind you know like they rep you know so it all starts playing off each other and it's really there's a really good podcast that does the delves it's she's an actual psychiatrist and she does um uh analysis of the episodes of um the batman the animated series that's uh, awesome. I'd love to check that out. Yeah. What's that yeah, one not, with? Protocol for like talking about other podcasts on somebody's podcast, but uh, I mean, I figure it's all Batman. It's all good, and oh, it's yeah. really. Um, uh, I'm trying to. Rem- I'm sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head. I just have so much um, um, Batman music stuff floating around in my head right now that I'm like literally. Uh, my my uh, brain power is on reserve. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, the Ar- called the Arkham Sessions. That's right, yeah. Uh, Dr. Andrea Letamende and Brian Ward. And uh, it's it's really good. It's it's really, really fun. I would definitely recommend it. And like you mentioned, there is a um, uh, book as well about uh, the psychology of Batman. Um uh, Travis Langley, Doctor Travis Langley. He's a uh, he's written a book about the uh, psychology of Batman. So, um, yeah, it's fat. I mean, yeah, it's it's man, all those elements just combined, it's a perfect storm of a character. You know, like I mean, so many great things about Batman. So many different levels you can enjoy him on. So many different versions of him. You know. I mean, and, you know, uh, it's all good. Yeah. 
And like you were saying, like even the most diehard Marvel fans love Batman. I'm yet to meet a single person who doesn't like Batman. I'm just gonna assume they've never they were somehow living under a rock and never heard of Batman because I, I don't even think it's possible. There's literally something for everyone, no matter uh, what what your um, tastes are. I I can't think of that like anybody unless somebody's like really against violence to an unhealthy level, but like <laughs> then then well, they've got issues to work out on themselves. But like, yeah, I think that I really don't think there's anyone that, um, yeah, I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't like Batman unless they're lying. And well, that's the only explanation I can come up with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, what's not to like in my opinion, but I mean, it's, uh, I think, and again, it's just because, so many great versions have come out thanks to so many of the all these creative people that have been in charge of him in different ways over the years you know um they've all loved the character respected the character and and brought their genius to the character and thank goodness you know uh for all those lovely artists and creators definitely the one thing I have to say is, um, as far as the Joker goes, I was having this conversation with my wife yesterday. I don't think there's been, well, save for the fact that I haven't seen um, Suicide Squad, so I have no idea how Jared Leto is for that. I've heard a lot of mixed things, but I don't think there's been, at least in my opinion, a bad portrayal of the Joker in anything I've seen. Like, um, I think Mark Hamill's uh, portrayal is my favorite, but... I think every actor did really well with the particular Joker they were portraying. And kind of like with Batman, I think um, Adam West was the perfect Batman for the 1960s, but in any other time period, it probably wouldn't have worked, whereas I think the other any other person who portrayed Batman wouldn't have worked with um, the 1960s one. So I definitely think that there's been good casting. Um, there's been a few Batmans I didn't particularly like, but I think overall, I think that the creators of like each movie and each series, they know what they're doing, and they definitely know like what they're looking for as far as uh, Batman goes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what and you know, like them or not, um, what you see in all the like live action films is uh, that direct mainly that the director's like interpretation of his idea of Batman, you know, like, uh, I may not agree with how Zack Snyder sees Batman, you know, but that's his, you know, that's what he sees. So that's, you know, how he chose to bring him to life, you know, um, I'll give Clooney a pass even because like, he's very like self-effacing about it, you know, and he's, he, he, he gets it, you know, like, and he has a sense of humor about it, and so God love George Clooney. Uh, and even uh, Schumacher, you know, he's like, he, he admits, you know, not he, he, well, he copped to like, he apologized to the fans, you know, for like if he disappointed them, which I give him points for. But also, uh, he like owned up to the fact that like they were trying to sell toys in the movie. He was like, yeah, you know, I was an adult. I was in the room. I, you know, that's what I, you know, so <laughs> I, uh, I, he, I give him a pass too, but yeah, you, you know, you, 
it's a, I mean, it's a big character, you know, and Bert, Burton really took, although, you know, we'd already seen the darker versions in the comic book form, you know, for Frank Miller, um, Dark Knight Returns and year one, um, it was still pretty big, like gamble to like, I mean, for Burton, you know, he had a, he had a really him and he and Michael Luzlon worked together beautifully to, uh, bring a very unique version of Gotham, you know, to life. And then as you very correctly said, like Gotham is like the main character in, in any, any Batman film, really, in a sense, you know, because it, it's just so, you know, that's what bred, you know, that's what bred Batman. That's what breeds the rogues gallery and everything else. You know, it's the city is a living character or should be. Pretty much, yeah. Now, who would you say is your favorite Batman villain, if you had to pick one? It's kind of a hard choice, but like if you had to pick one, like who would you say is your um, favorite? Uh, yeah, it's um, hmm. yeah. Nor like I said, normally I don't like pick like, but I guess if like I were forced, I mean, I guess the Joker. You know, but I, I but <laughs> he has so many great ones too. You know, um, I always like to mention a, a sort of semi-obscure character created by uh, the great Norm Brayfogle, who was like my main Batman artist when I was collecting in the '80s. Um, sadly, um, can't draw anymore. He had a stroke and. Uh, a couple of years ago and uh, can't draw anymore. So uh, uh, that's kind of a bummer for him. Um, but I, he, he was amazing, a really amazing artist. And um, he created a character called the rat catcher that I really love. I just, I like, it's one of my favorite villains. I did. And I, I want somebody to like, do like a really great, animated rat catcher story or work him into one of the live action movies you know like yeah he's not the joker but you could do a lot of really cool things with him you know um anarchy too also created by um <clears throat> by um by norm uh Bray fogel is another great kind of underused character did you see any of the beware the batman cartoon that was recently on by any chance um i never got around to seeing that one the animation was different but it looked kind of interesting um definitely want to check that out at some point yeah <clears throat> it i i really liked it and i it towards the end it only ran for like a season and they just abruptly axed it which is really a shame because there was a lot of good things happening in it, you know, um, and it, by the end of the um, season, it was really starting to gel and they were bringing Two-Face in. Christopher McDonald was playing Two-Face. Um, but uh, I, I was like, oh, man, that's a really bummer. It had a really cool theme song, too. <laughs> and like the animation, it was different, but, you know, I, I liked it. You know, it took a little getting used to, like you said, especially if you're, you know, you're familiar with like the animated series and stuff like that but um i, I wish people hadn't it got, hadn't gotten written off quite so quickly because uh they had anarchy was one of the main villains and um 
Wallace Langham, who's a character actor, you'd recognize him if you saw him, was the voice. And he, oh man, he did a tremendous job. And Anthony Ruvivar, who did Batman, was great. Uh, different, but um, totally legit version of Batman in that. Um, um, what's her name? She does Catwoman in uh, Great Delisle, did Magpie, which was another kind of it. They had a few more obscure villains on there, like Professor Pig. Um, and um toad which was uh different <laughs> and um kirkwood smith was commissioner gordon i mean they had a tremendous so many things going for it and i just don't think they gave it enough time to develop man um yeah. that's always yeah. a shame when that happens i wonder if like people just didn't like the animation because like you were saying like um it seems like a lot of it seems like a lot of times people just don't like a different like animation style, but it's like it's not bad. It's just kind of different, and I don't know. Like sometimes they'll do that with like video games. Like they'll change up the style of a um, of something, and people will complain about it. I'm like it's not bad. It's actually really good, but it's just not what people are are um, were expecting. And I think sometimes the expectations can make the difference. Yeah. And they did, yeah, they did something different, too, with uh, Alfred in that one, too, where they made him, like, a former MI6 agent. Um, and J.B. Blank, who was uh, uh, another fine voice actor, really great guy, um, played Alfred. And I liked it. I thought, it again, I thought that they, uh, oh, and Sumali Montoya played, um, uh, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Katana, excuse me, I need some water. Um, so she was sort of like Bruce Wayne's bodyguard and eventually like Batman's ally, which was, I thought, a cool new... See, I'm, I, don't, I don't mind giving it a chance when people try and take things in new directions like that. I just think... I think in this case it probably was something related. If I had to guess, it would be something related to it wasn't selling enough toys or something along those lines, you know, and it just. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's always that business <clears throat> angle to, um, everything. So even if something's good, if it's not profitable to the, um, industry, then they, they'll have to cut it eventually. It's, it's a shame, but that's fortunately how it goes. Yeah. It, um, must've been hard. To, I don't think they sold a whole lot of toys, to the little kids for like Batman be Superman because that was <laughs> uh, I probably I wouldn't let my kid watch it really until he was older I don't think it was yeah definitely not um, so any uh, last words about the Batman that you'd like to say you um you know a lot about this stuff so like any um any like parting trivia or anything you'd like to um leave us on um, I would like to thank, uh, Bill Finger, who's finally getting some credit, uh, after 80 odd years of Bob Kane taking sole credit for creating Batman. He's finally being publicly acknowledged what all the comic book insiders, uh, have known for years. And, you know, uh, a really great guy named Mark Tyler Nobleman researched uh bill and did a phenomenal job i mean the service he's done for the history of batman you know can't be uh 
overestimate, in my opinion. He wrote a book called Bill the Boy Wonder. Um, and it tells, it's like a, a kid's book, you know, in the form of a kid's book. But it tells the story of Bill Finger, who created, Bat, helped shape Batman with Bob Kane. Uh, and it, it's a must read. Um, and Batman v Superman was actually the first film where Bill was finally credited um, <clears throat> as one of the creators of Batman. And I hope to see it like across the board from now on. Because if you read, if you read anything about the subject, you'll 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 understand <laughs> the story. But uh, yeah, Bill Finger, glad to see him finally getting credit. Definitely, yeah. I heard about that recently. What a sad story! Like he he died not getting really any recognition for making the most iconic bat, like um, the most iconic comic character in history, like. Ah, man, but I'm glad he's finally getting what he, like you said, he's getting what he deserves, and it's, it's nice. I, I think that he'll probably be mentioned in, um, every, um, re-release of any movie or, um, all subsequent movies, because the guy really, he, he, he deserves a lot more credit than he got, and, um, I'm glad that people are finally starting to realize that. Yeah, yeah, and... Not to, that's not to take away Bob Kane's contribution or say, you know, some of the things that happened to Bill weren't, you know, uh, Bill's own fault, but he's never gotten any kind of, you know, public, you know, in fact, Bob Kane went out of his way to like discredit him. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, it's a really great Batman story because it's like, to me, Batman represents justice. And in this case, you know, it's justice for Bill Finger, you know. And that, with my documentary, that's the same thing I, I hope to achieve, that kind of a thing where, you know, I can finally properly tell an untold chapter in Batman history, you know. And if I can leave this world at having made that kind of positive contribution to the history of Batman, I'm a happy guy. Definitely. So before we go, we have um, an interview about your about your documentary but would you like to just uh briefly discuss it for um anyone listening to the chat to um to kind of listen to and um and learn about yeah i mean in a nutshell it is the untold story of the music of the adam west batman tv series uh neil hefty wrote the theme nelson riddle did the series music in seasons one and two and billy may did the series music for season three and wrote the batgirl theme and uh, it tells the story of how they created the music, biographical information about guys from people that played with them and knew them. And um, we go into, like I said, different versions of the theme song, uh, talk about the Batusi, you know, the different actual musicians who were on the show, the cast members that released their own versions of it, you know, the infinite number of covers of the Batman theme there are. Um, a lot of crazy fun stuff, um, and we need you to help uh, support us on Kickstarter right now, everybody. If you're a Batman fan, please chip in a buck, five bucks, whatever. We got some really cool perks. Uh, I'm going to be giving away a lot of, uh, as perks, um, a lot of my personal collection of like signed Batman stuff and um, uh, props that I've made. I'm going to be giving, uh, putting up. Uh, a replica Batzuka uh, in a, in a couple days here for uh, as a reward that I made from 
the actual uh, toy, which was called a Mattel Sonic Blaster, that the show it was it was released about the time of the show. So uh, back then they didn't have the time or the budget necessarily to make all these props from scratch, you know. So they go down to the toy store, they buy this, you know, uh, toy bazooka, and then they jazz it up with Batman stuff on it. So uh, this is I don't know. I hope you have time for this because I I want to tell this really quick. Yeah, the Mattel. Mattel Sonic Blaster is uh, it. What it was was a toy bazooka, and it had this pump on the top, and you pump this bladder up inside it, and then you pull the trigger, and it would just make this deafening, loud noise, right? And I don't know who the genius was. Like, I can't believe they didn't figure this out before they released it. But like, how long was it going to be before some kid put it up to some other kid's ear and just blew his eardrum out the other side of his out of his head? You know. So they got pulled pretty quickly, but so if you want to buy one now off of eBay, they're like five hundred bucks, you know, if you find one like in a package, you know, stuff like that. So, but strangely, uh, and you can find this video on YouTube. It was the TV. It was a Kurt Russell's acting debut was as the little kid holding the Sonic Blaster in the Sonic Blaster TV commercial. So that's just a strange little aside to all this. But anyway, I, I got an actual Sonic Blaster toy and I made it into, uh, I replicated a, a Batzooka out of it. Um, really cool prop. Um, and so that'll be one of the rewards that's coming up. Um, so it's the beat of the bat or it's beat of the bat.com is the Kickstarter page. If you want to go there and at the beat of the bat on Facebook and, and Twitter at the beat of the bat. Sounds cool, definitely. And um, thank you for joining. This has been a fun chat. Always, always fun to, to talk about Batman without exception. And yeah, check out the Beat of the Bat, a documentary by Pat Evans. And um, that's it for this episode of B Movie Chat. Until next time, B Movie fans, be brave, be alive, and be back next time. <laughs> Get on my knees. Oh, I'm seeing the road. I'm seeing the road.